Good morning, everyone. It is really good to see that uh, we're starting to get busy uh, again, so it's really good. Um, welcome to those listening uh, from home, either on the internet or the phone. A few intimations, they're all on the, or nearly all on the sheet. Um, on Tuesday evening, 7pm, there's a Kirk session meeting to discuss the latest Presbytery Mission Plan, or the draft, and then the Prayer Fellowship on Wednesday morning at 10.30. Discipleship group on Wednesday at 1. Um, advanced notices, uh, Tuesday 31st of May, the stated annual meeting at 7pm in the church hall. And then a wee note about Keswick Ayrshire 2022, uh, 3rd to the 5th of June, uh, and the details of how you can get tickets. And over to Scotland. Well, we're going to keep our seats as we worship together. This is a, a beautiful hymn of Stuart Townend and the Gettys. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. So let's worship together. Thank you. 
prayer. Let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. O oh, our loving Heavenly Father, may this time of worship be glorious with your presence and blessing. Visit each heart and life with your tenderness, your love and your care. And may we experience the sweet influence and unction of the Holy Spirit of promise. And Lord, draw us deeper into that place with you. Oh, where we may have your glory revealed and the reality of who you really are made known. For Lord, we believe that you are the true and the living God. You are the sovereign, eternal God of all the ages. You are the ancient of days. And Lord, how we worship you this morning. Oh, set our hearts free to sing the glories of your name. And again, we desire to enter your gates with praise and your courts with thanksgiving. And so we thank you for all your blessings, for your transforming grace and saving faith, your sanctifying and satisfying Holy Spirit who comes to lead us into all truth. And so, Lord, we do give you thanks for your precious word. Oh, we're tired of hearing ideas of what people think about you. Oh, that you would reveal yourself to us. Lord, through your word, through your presence here, and move our gaze from things of this world to the glories and riches of Christ, our risen Saviour our great ascended high priest and exalted king. Oh Lord, bless you. Bless you and thank you for these precious moments together as we do pray in Jesus' precious name. We also now join our hearts as we share in the Lord's prayer, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this morning we take our Bible reading from the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 24. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, and there at verse 50, we'll read these three verses, 50 to 53. And then we're going to go on to read from Luke's second part of his Gospel in Acts chapter 1 at verse 6 to 11. So let's hear the Word of God. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. 
Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. And then in the book of Acts, chapter 1, at verse 6, Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. And may the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. And here we come now in Luke's gospel in chapter 24. Notice in verse 50, we, we start here in verse 50. If you go to verse 49, that is 40 days earlier. So between four, verse 49 and verse 50, you've got 40 days. Something's happened in these 40 days. And we're told that Jesus taught about the kingdom in these 40 days. As Jesus was resurrected, for the next 40 days, he met with individuals. He met with his half-brother James. He met with his disciples. He met with Mary Magdalene. He met with Thomas and the disciples in the upper room. He met with other large groups there on the shore. He met with his disciples there. And through these 40 days, Jesus walked with his people and he talked with them. And he shared all that was on his heart. And what was on his heart? The kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom of God. Yes, the gospel writers tell us, the king has come and he has fulfilled all righteousness. He has fulfilled the scriptures. Why did Jesus live? Why did he die? According to the scriptures. He fulfilled the scriptures. Why was he born? To fulfill the scriptures. Everything that was spoken of in the Old Testament about Jesus, he fulfilled. There on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What was Jesus doing? Did he feel that separation from his father? Yes, he did. But you know what else he was doing? He was quoting Psalm 22. He was fulfilling the scriptures. When Jesus said on the cross, I thirst. Again, that's in the Old Testament, how he will say, I thirst. Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. And then, of course, beyond death, as Jesus is laid in the grave, and then on the third day he is raised up. Why? According to the scriptures. So that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus was raised to life again. 
And that tells us something very wonderful. It tells us that Jesus really is the king. That he really is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. No one should be able to doubt ever again that Jesus is the promised Messiah. That he is the promised one who was to come and save this world from sin. That he is the one that would come and die for us. That he would bear our sins. That he would take our guilt and our shame. All the mess that we've made of our life. That Jesus would take our mess. And that he would give us forgiveness. That he would abound in grace towards us. That we would receive his righteousness, his goodness, his love, his joy. And all that we could give him was our sins. It doesn't like, sound like a fair exchange, does it? But what a royal exchange happened on Calvary. We gave him all our sins and he gave us his righteousness, his goodness, his perfect law-keeping. Jesus kept the law perfectly. He obeyed every single part of the word of God, the very decrees of God, Jesus kept. And he doesn't just give us forgiveness. He gives us that law-keeping. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, we have been made righteous. In Christ, he looks upon us and our sins are cast as far as the east is to the west. Our sins are gone. See, when the Father looks down upon your life and my life, if you've put your trust in Christ as your Savior, if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, as the Father look, looks down upon you, you know, we often feel the guilt and the shame. We still feel, but I'm still sinning. I'm still mucking up. Look at my thoughts. Look at the way I act. Look at the way I'm living. I'm still not right. I feel far from being right. Lord, I, I know that Jesus died for me, that he's forgiven me. And I believe, yes, Lord, that he was raised for me. Lord, I believe the gospel with all my heart, but I still feel so rotten. Have you ever felt like that? Isn't it lovely? That, see, when you look at yourself, you're looking at yourself from earth, from earth's vantage point. Do you know what you look like from heaven? All who have received Christ... If you were to go up into heaven right now and look at yourself, do you know what you would see? One thing you wouldn't see is your sins. Why? Because they're covered in blood. When you look down upon your life and my life, the Father doesn't see your sins. They've been washed clean in the precious blood of the Lamb. What the Father sees is a life under the blood. He sees the blood of his son upon your heart, upon your life. Yes, under the blood, you may well feel still so sinful. And you know that every day it's as if, oh Lord, not again. Oh, from heaven, the Lord looks at his people and he says, oh, you are the apple of my eye. <laughs> 
you are altogether lovely. And therefore, the Lord says, therefore look up. Keep looking up. Don't keep looking down. And don't keep looking in. See, when we fix our eyes upon our sins and our own life, boy, we'll go flat. And when you start looking out to a world, a world that's in sin, that's in darkness, oh, our hearts will sink too. We'll think, Lord, where are you in all this mess? And we start looking out. But the Lord keeps telling the church, stop looking down. Stop looking in and stop looking around. Look up. Look up. Keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus because he is the author, the beginner, the pioneer of your faith, but he's also the end of your faith and he is the perfecter of your faith. He is going to perfect you. If today you're one of the Lord's people, Jesus is going to perfect your faith for you. He's going to complete that work which he has begun in you. That's good news. Even when you still feel at the end of your day that you've fallen short, you still feel as if you're not quite there yet, don't worry. The Lord's going to perfect your faith. He's going to finish your faith. He's the beginner and the finisher of your faith. And that's why we're to fix our eyes on him. We're to look to Jesus. We're not to look at ourselves or to look out around others. Because when we look up, we know that our redemption draweth nigh. He's coming soon. That's why we look up. He's coming soon. And so here, Jesus, as he meets his disciples on this mountaintop, notice how Jesus left them. He left them with his uplifted hands. We're told that he had lifted up his hands. As Jesus left them with his hands lifted up. What does that mean? What's go- Why does Luke mention that? Why does Luke tell us that Jesus had his hands uplifted as he was talking to his disciples? Well, there's, there's many pictures that we can maybe see in this. Because in the scriptures, it talk, right through the scriptures, we hear about God lifting up his hands In Psalm 118, we're told, the Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Hands lifted often is a picture of a sign of power. It can often be a sign of judgment. In Isaiah chapter 5 at verse 25, therefore the Lord's anger burns against his people. His hand is raised and he strikes them down. The mountains shake and the dead bodies are like refuse in the streets. Again, it can often be a sign of an oath. In Ezekiel, we're told, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I swear with uplifted hand that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. So it can be as the uplifted hands can be a sign of an oath. Could Jesus be making an oath with his disciples? Or is it a sign of judgment? Or is it just as is Luke just telling us that it's a sign of power, showing Christ's authority? Or could it be a sign of worship? All through the scriptures we're told to lift up holy hands. 
Is, it, is Jesus just worshipping? Well, in Leviticus chapter 9, we're given a, a real insight to what's happening. In Leviticus 9 at verse 22, we're told, Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. In Leviticus, the signs of uplifted hands by the priest or the high priest, it was a sign of blessing. In Leviticus, we see the high priest lifting up his hands and blessing the people. Now, this is what I believe Luke is giving us a portrait of. Luke wants us to know that Jesus is our great high priest. And what does the great high priest do? He lifts up his hands and he blesses his people. And Luke tells us that Jesus lifted up his hands and he blessed them. He blessed them. But notice in the Old Testament, what did the high priest then do? The high priest stepped down. But isn't it good news? And Luke, I believe, is so passionate as he looks at his great high priest and he notices that Jesus does not step down. Jesus doesn't step down like the Old Testament high priests who then would have to bring another sacrifice another day. They would have to wait for another day of atonement to bring another sacrifice. Bringing more sacrifices every year. But here Luke tells us that our great high priest, as he lifted up his hands to bless the people, he didn't step down. He went up. <laughs> he went up. And there we get that glorious picture in Psalm 24. The king of glory as he enters into that heavenly courts. The angels now cheering him on. Christ has come. Jesus, the Son of God, is back home. The angels who used to worship Jesus in heaven, now he's back. <laughs> the King of glory is back with us. Can you even get a sense of the heart of worship in heaven now? Because Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. With uplifted hands. That's how Jesus left blessing the disciples and those who would come to believe in his name. And so Luke gives us this beautiful picture of Christ, our great high priest. So where was he going? Again, the scriptures are clear. Luke tells us, while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Mark tells us, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. John tells us in the Revelation, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Peter writes in his letter, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. And the Hebrew writer tells us, for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, 
now to appear for us in God's presence. And finally, can I mention about the Apostle Paul? Paul tells us in Ephesians, he who descended is the one, the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And then he writes to Timothy, Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. Where was Jesus going? He was going to be with his Father. He was going to sit with his Father. But he doesn't leave us alone. It's not that Jesus now goes up into the, the heavenlies with the Father and enjoying the worship of angels again. No. What's Jesus doing? Why did Jesus go into heaven? Why did he ascend? Why couldn't he have stayed on earth for a, a bit longer? Well, we're told. Jesus told us himself. He said, I must go. Because the Holy Spirit is going to come. The Spirit will come. If I go, then the Holy Spirit will come and fill you. And I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. You will know my presence. You will know my powerful presence. The Holy Spirit, he's not a, a force. He's not an atmosphere. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's God, the Holy Spirit. He's God. He's also known as the Spirit of Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes to you and to me, Jesus is with us. And Jesus said, as I go to the right hand of my Father, the Holy Spirit must come. Because then I'll be with you forever and ever. And I'm going to be praying for you. He ascended also to prepare a place for us. Isn't that lovely? Jesus is preparing a mansion for us. I like the King James Version. He's preparing a mansion for us. He's preparing, he's preparing a wonderful place. I love what Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. He said, after all these thousands of years, if Jesus is still preparing my house, it must be beautiful. To take over 1,800 years to build, my house must be something else. And although I laugh, I just think, well, Spurgeon, you've got a point. What the Lord is preparing for each one of us who have put our trust in the Lord, it's going to be a wonderful place. That's why he's at the right hand of the Father right now. He's preparing that place for us. Jesus even told his disciples, I go to my Father I wish that you could be with me because then you would behold me in all my glory. You would get a glimpse of me before time began. You, you would get that glimpse of me in glory and oh, it would bring you such joy. I wish you were with me, but I go to prepare a place for you. We're told that he also went in order to fulfill his high priestly ministry. Jesus continues as our high priest. Do you know that he's praying for you right now? He's praying for what you're going through right now. Some of you who are struggling with your health, worries about maybe your loved ones. 
maybe worries about our church about what's happening in Scotland today where we, we just feel Lord we're not seeing the revival but you know Jesus he, he went up sat with his father in order to pray for us oh he knows what's happening the Lord knows and Jesus prays for his people and he's praying for his church we're told that he also was raised so that the believers would follow him Thomas said, Lord, where are you going? How do I get there? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas, you just follow me. Yes, I'm going to be with my father, but that's because I want you to follow me. You're not going to be left alone. You're not going to be left in your sin. You're not going to be left in darkness any longer. You're going to follow me. We're told that he was ascended in order that he would enter his glory. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, why did Jesus have to go up into heaven? Because he had to fulfill the scriptures. The Psalms tell us that he would, be, that he would ascend on high. So Jesus ascended in order to fulfill the scriptures. Now, Luke wants us to tell us something else. He tells us that he ascended in order that he would come back. And sometimes we forget that, don't we? Notice in Acts, they were reading there in Acts. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus had to ascend and go into heaven. Why? Because he's coming back. He's getting ready to come back. Isn't that lovely? Jesus is coming back and we're told he's going to come quickly when, we're, when many are not expecting Jesus to come back and the world will come to an end. Yes, what we see right now will finish. And we're told that Jesus will come back. He'll come back quickly and in other places we're told that he'll come soon now we I know feel as if he's taking a long time but when you live in eternity that's a thousand years is like a day <laughs> and so he will come soon that's why he had to go to sit at the right hand of the father because he's getting ready to come back he's waiting for the father to say to Jesus our bridegroom your bride is now ready the house is now ready. The picture there is it's, it's a bridal. It's the supper of the lamb. We're getting ready for our, for our wedding day. And only the father knows the day and the hour. Why? Because in good tradition, at a Jewish wedding, it's when the father says that the groom's house is ready, then the groom can go and get his bride. And so as Jesus prepares our home, Jesus is also waiting to hear word from his dad you can go and get your bride now go down and get the folks at Stevenson go down and get the folks at the High Kirk there go and get my people throughout the nation of Scotland go throughout the world go and gather your bride the house is ready that's why he's gone and that's why we look up 
because we're waiting for his coming. And that's the church. When Jesus ascended on high, just in closing, can I just mention, notice how the disciples left. They left that mountaintop, we're told, with great joy. They left in joy. And then we're told they continually worshipped and gave praise and thanksgiving in the temple. Now, I think that's amazing. But I believe that gives us the whole key to how the church should be living right now. They were told Jesus is going to come back in the same way you saw him go. He's coming back. He'll come soon. But while, until he comes again, wait 10 days. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. You need to be empowered. Until he comes, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the life of Jesus in you. It's not just go and try and act like Jesus and try and be good. No, you need Jesus in you. You need the life of Christ to live through you. That's the only way you're going to be able to live this Christian life. And so wait. The church ought to be a waiting people. We ought to be daily waiting and being filled with the Spirit. But we ought to also be gathering together in great joy, worshipping. That's why we meet, that's why we go to church. Because we want to fulfill the scriptures. We want to do what the disciples did. That they could leave the mountaintop of prayer and be filled with great joy and worship at the temple together. And so can I encourage you, until the Lord comes back, I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to fill you to overflowing and that he'll continue to give you a worshipping heart that you'll continue to know a waiting heart and that you'll continue to serve the Lord and share with others that others would come and experience the joy that we can know. Well, all I can say is hallelujah. What a saviour. And so can we just look up just before Billy comes to pray, I just want to lead us in just a wee prayer and then Billy's going to lead us in our intercessory prayers. But let's just go to prayer for a moment. Lord, I just want to pray for each heart here bowed in prayer. Lord, I pray that you would draw very near to each waiting heart. Lord, touch each one. Lord, from the youngest in this church today to the oldest, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would now just fill them. And Lord, oh, that you would again raise your hands over this people and bless them. Lord, if there's a heart here today and they feel troubled in, in heart, in soul, they may be even questioning, Lord, am I even a Christian? Lord, oh, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, if there's a soul here just wondering, Lord, can you forgive me? Can you really wipe away all my sins? Lord, I pray that you would open that heart. 
and that they would just receive Christ, that they would know sweet forgiveness. Oh, Lord, bless them. May they feel your presence just overwhelm them and also overwhelm them with joy. Lord, I pray for all of us. As we leave here, may we leave with great joy in our exalted, resurrected, ascended King and our soon-coming King. And so, Lord, as we pray, Lord, we do thank you for the privilege that we can now pray for others. And so, Lord, we do pray. We thank you for the truth that you have placed into our hearts. And Lord, in the words of the, that we sang earlier, take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Father, we thank you that you are in our midst and you can meet our every need, Lord. We pray, Lord, as our heads are bowed, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will move among us, Lord. We pray for a blessing upon each head bowed and each family represented. Lord, we pray for those in our fellowship who are unable to be with us. We pray for those who are housebound, that you will pour out a blessing upon them right now, Lord. We pray for those who are unwell. We pray for those who are in hospital. And we think of Anne McClellan, Lord, who's in hospital just now. We just ask you to touch her and to bless her. We pray for the families of those who are unwell, Lord, that you will comfort them and support them. Lord, we pray for those who used to come to our church, but now their pews are empty, Lord. Lord, you know the reasons why they no longer come, but we ask you to pour out a blessing upon them, Lord, that they will be urged to come back. Lord, we look forward to a revival, not just in the High Kirk, but Lord, but in our land. And Lord, we pray for the day when all these pews will be filled again to give you the glory. Lord, we thank you for the tithes and offerings that you have allowed us to, to bring to you, Lord, and we ask you to take them and use them, Lord, to extend your kingdom. Lord, we pray for the uncertainty in the Church of Scotland just now, and we pray for the plans that they are putting forward. Lord, we just pray that your will will be done. We pray for the situation in, in the Ukraine, Lord. We still continue to pray for peace in that land, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the civilians that were rescued from the steelworks in Mariupol, Lord. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to move among the people of U Ukraine, Lord. We pray for the 
hundreds and thousands of families that have been affected by this atrocity. We pray, Lord, at this very difficult time that people will turn to you. And Lord, we pray for the other areas of our world where there is wars or rumours of wars. Places like Syria, the Sudan, Yemen, to name but a few, Lord. Lord, sometimes when things seem dark, it seems as though you are far away. But Lord, we thank you that even though we can't see you moving, that your Holy Spirit is moving. So Lord, we thank you again for your word to us today and for your truth. And we pray, Lord, that each one of us will leave here blessed and be a reflection of Christ to our neighbours and to our friends and to our families, Lord. Lord, these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're now going to worship the Lord together in our closing hymn. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea. This is a beautiful old hymn, and the words are so so precious. And so may this be your prayer as we leave this morning. So let's stand as we worship.
so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Thank you.